in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and ye shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, on and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we're, we're so thankful. For your son lord you sent the perfect gift um there was nothing we could do uh, with our sin problem but lord we we know and we hear that there is that nothing is impossible with you and god we just come today to to praise to give you glory and honor that you deserve uh and again just the the thanks as we celebrate this christmas season for your son God, we pray as Pastor Chad comes to deliver your message. Lord, I pray that we hear, I pray that we understand. God, open our ears and hearts to what you would have for us this morning. And God, I pray that we respond in right ways. In your name we pray, amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 10. We'll be there in just a moment. Thinking about on this day, things that make you happy, right? Uh, We're talking even just upstairs. Uh, There's a, a couple birthdays today, and so there's always happy birthday, right? Maybe it makes you happy to play your favorite sport, or uh, I think at this time of year, it makes everybody happy when you get a bonus, right? Uh, It makes you happy if you get to go on a date with your spouse. It makes you happy watching your favorite college football game if your team wins. Uh, It makes you you happy to go on vacations, at least I hope so. Here in this holidays with Thanksgiving and Christmas, we have happy traditions, happy food, happy family time, happy presents, happy stockings, happy travels, happy parties. All of the happy things are happening. 
But I want you to look at this text and, and be reminded of something more than just happy. So Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the, the angel comes to the shepherds and says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. In fact, he goes on to, to answer, what, what is that joy? When he says in verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is joy. And this is, this is more than just happy. Now, it, it is not less than happy, but it is more than that. You see, the joy referred to by the angel here and in, throughout Scripture is deeper than mere happiness. It is rooted in God and even more so, so to speak, like for us, particularly in Christ himself. It's personified in Christ. Since it comes from God, it is more uh, stable than worldly happiness, which, to be honest, is, is merely uh, emotional. And happiness only lasts for a, like a, period of time. You can be happy and you can't really, it's hard to be happy and sad, right? You can be joyful and sad, but, but happy and sad, they seem to be opposites. And so uh, the last couple of weeks, I've, I've tried to bring definition to some of the words we've been thinking of. And so in looking at joy, here is the, the definition to give to you today. Joy is the satisfying delight in the gift of God throughout life and eternity. Joy is the satisfying delight in the gift of God throughout life and eternity. Right? Um, as we kind of, as I tend to do, I want us to think through all of that definition and what all it might mean. But I want us to, to begin by considering the, the progression of joy. How does, how does joy happen and, and stay, linger with us, not just here on earth, but in eternity? What does that look like? You see, we'll see here in these, in, not just in this short text, but in texts throughout Scripture, that, that, there, that joy is not just one of those one and done moments, but instead it is ongoing. If you, uh, my mom is one of those, those birthday people. Y'all know the birthday people? Where their birthday is like birth month, right? You don't just celebrate October 12th with my mom. You celebrate October. You might celebrate November, and it'll squeak into September, right? You, you get all, she gets all of that. And, and there's a part of me that's pretty sure she worked it out with God that nobody else in our family would be born in October. So she could have it all, right? So, so sometimes we think, okay, happiness for her, happy birthday for her lasts a whole month. But we're saying that it's not even, it's not just happy day, like happy birthday or happy anniversary or happy whatever the thing is, uh, it's not just that. It's not even just happy month, right? It's not just getting a, a whole month. It's, it's joy that is beyond that. And so I want us to consider what this, this progression of joy looks like. And that begins like this. Joy 
is given by the Lord. Joy is given by the Lord. As we just mentioned, a whole list of of things that make us happy, those things, whether situations, circumstances, stuff, people, presence, it is simply uh, things that come and go. But joy is given by the Lord. And so even think about this in Psalm 16, it says, you may make known to me the path of life. Listen to this, in your presence, there is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see, this, this means that joy is not found in stuff or in people or in places. It's found in Christ. The fullness of joy comes from him alone. But I, I would ask you some of these questions that I, as I was studying this week and looking to Scripture and uh, as I was bombarded with Old Testament and New Testament passages alike reminding me of joy, I, I began to ask myself these questions. And maybe, maybe as you hear these, you need to ask them to yourself. If joy comes from Christ alone, why do we try to find fulfilling joy in people? When we know people fail, like we all acknowledge, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we 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 know that about ourselves, we know that about our friends, our family, our spouses, our children, our parents, and yet so often we try to put them in the place that will fulfill our joy. And we know they're going to fail. We know they're going to drop the ball. They're going to forget. They're going to say something they wish they hadn't said. Or maybe they say something they meant. Right? There's going to be harsh words. Sometimes unsaid things, which are even worse. Why do we, why do we try to find fulfilling joy in people? Why do we try to find satisfying delight in our work? Like, satisfaction, not just that we are glad to go to work or not just that we're glad or we like the job we have. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we try to find our ultimate satisfaction in our work, when we know there will be a day when that work is over. There's going to be a day, if you didn't know this, that you won't do the job you do right now. Now that day may come because you retire. That day may come because you fired or laid off or choose to do something different or that day may happen because you die. But there will be a day when you're not doing the job you currently have. So why would we put so many eggs in the proverbial basket, right? Why would we we launch so headlong into finding our satisfaction, our fulfillment in our job? Why do we find to try our best to find contentment in our stuff? When we know there will always be something bigger and better and faster and cooler, more trendy, right? The the stuff around us. Like if if we if we're always like if we're looking for the, the next thing. 
We, that means there will be a never-ending cycle of trying to get the next cool thing. Because there will always be something next. If you follow anything with Apple, they have figured out that there will always be a new thing. I mean, they're super excited about their next greatest phone until three months from now. And that phone will be not near as cool as the new phone. And, and your kids will agree with them wholeheartedly. And you might even, right? And, and, the, and the things just get more expensive, right? It, it's, it's a new house. It's a new car. Uh, if, if, when you get to the age where it's like, man, that refrigerator is awesome. <laughs> Have you seen what that dryer does? I mean, like, right, like the older we get, the more excited we get about these kinds of things. You, you, you start to, to look at rugs differently. Where did you get that one? Right? Like, like we do these things. And, and so yet it's the, it's the new house, the new car, the new phone, the, the new jacket, the new shoes, the, the new kind of trail camera or scope for your gun, the, the new video game, what, whatever it is, the, the new. And there's always something new. It's, it's a never-ending cycle. And so if we're looking to find our satisfaction in new, then guess what? We're going to always be looking for something else. It will never be filled. Like the enemy has figured us out. The enemy knows this about us. You know, uh, there are cultures that have all different kinds of, of uh, issues. I would just argue that that's our culture's issue. Stuff. Find your satisfaction in things. See, we're, we're wealthy enough. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. The, if you're in the sound of my voice, the, the reality is we are wealthier than 98% of the world. And so, like, if you have a refrigerator that runs, you're in the top 5% of the world. Okay, so let's put that in perspective for a moment and, and realize, like, that's where we're at. So, yeah, we're always, like, it's just spinning, isn't it? When you're trying to find your satisfaction there, you're like that hamster running on that wheel. Ever, ever do a stair climber? Don't. They're terrible. And you, you never get any higher. You're, you're never higher than your first step. And, and if you're slow, you fall off. Like it's, it's a terrible activity. I'm sure it's good for you, but I avoid it at all costs. Right? But that's, that's what we do. We're on a perpetual stair climber when we are trying to make things our satisfaction. We just never get higher because every step we take, there's something else. Why not then? Why not just receive the gift that never runs dry? Right? This is why Jesus says to the woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, talking of the, the water that comes from the actual well, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. This spring of water welling up to eternal life. If you drank from that water, 
Because I think too many of us are, are still drinking Madison County water. Like we're still drinking from Pearl River when we've got the river of life. Like this is what's offered to us, right? And, and we know this, church. If you've been in church long enough at all, like just weeks long, you've heard that Christ is satisfying, that Christ is our delight, Christ is our peace, he is our hope. If, you've, if, you, if this is your first week, hear all of that, that Christ is your joy. He is your satisfaction. He will fulfill you in these ways. Because joy is the satisfying delight in the gift of God throughout life and all eternity. So you don't have to worry about what will happen later because later we'll be joy-filled when you have Christ. See, see, joy is in this progression of joy. Joy is given by the Lord and joy is sustained through life. I think about this, right? If we are living only in happiness that comes and goes, not a sustaining, satisfying delight, what happens when all of your happiness is taken away? And I, I look around this room, and in, uh, I've been here now about four and a half years, and in those short four and a half years, I look around and I see lots of circumstances of, of sadness, sorrow and grief, heartache, lost loved ones, families broken, jobs lost, all of these things, sicknesses, What happens when all of your happiness is taken? When, you're, when you lose your spouse and, and when he or she was, was your contentment? When your child dies or your parent dies and, and your only fulfillment has come in being that role? being mother to them or being father to them or being son or daughter to them? What happens when, when that fulfillment, that, that one role is, is taken from you? What about when you lose your job? And your, your meaning, like you, you felt like that was your purpose in life was that job. Well, what happens when it's taken? What if, what if you... You or even your kid, like, doesn't make the ball team, whatever the ball game is. And then your identity is gone. Like, when you can't be labeled that thing anymore, you, you can't be labeled the basketball player or the football star or the soccer player or the cheerleader or the, the dancer or the, or the whatever the thing is, you can't be labeled that because you're not that anymore. What will someone call you if they cannot call you the football player, if they cannot call you the cheerleader, or if they can't call you the, the parent to the baseball player? What are you, you going to do? Or what if, what if they can't call you the accountant anymore? What if they can't call you the doctor or the physician or the surgeon or the engineer or the realtor or the... The mom or the dad, what if they, like all of that is gone and your identity is all wrapped up in that title. What are, what are you, if you're not 
that thing. Oh, James tells us, like, we, we count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds. You mean we're supposed to count it joy when we, when we lose a job? When we lose a loved one? We, we lose our sport or our game or our title? Paul echoes this. I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Philippians says, rejoice in the Lord always. I love it here. I love this. Philippians 4.4, 4, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Paul knows that we needed to hear it twice. That's like the preacher in Paul. Like repeated. It comes across better the second time. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that we talked about last week, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, joy and peace are forever connected. You want to have joy, unending joy? You want to say joy to the world that Christ has come? We want to look to the one who gives us joy? And he's also, realize he's also the one that gives us peace. It's in our contentment in him that we will find never-ending joy. These scriptures remind us that our joy is not having good. It's certainly not in not experiencing suffering. It's not even in getting suffering. It's not like we're looking at suffering and say, I'm looking forward to that. No, our joy is found in Christ. And so we can count all other things as joy because through all of those things, we see and experience Christ. I was thinking of this just this weekend talking with, with someone who was particularly hurting, struggling. And, and it's not like we wish that heartache happens. Right? It's not like we're praying for more suffering. We get plenty of that. So we say, no, God, I want you in the suffering. I, I want to experience more of your presence. Sometimes we're blind to his presence. It's not like he comes and goes. He's, the Spirit is with us, but it is in those moments that we uh, acknowledge our need for him all the more, that maybe we sense his presence all the more. And this is, this is again, just shown to us. Joy is the satisfying delight in the gift of God throughout life and eternity. I, I say that last part Intentionally to know that it's, it's not just found here on earth. Joy is completed in eternity. And when you think completed, don't think like end of the road. It finds its completion. Let me put it that way. It finds its completion in eternity. In this, uh, in this week's scripture reading plan, which again, uh, we'll, we'll continue those uh, even through all of next year. So I hope you'll continue to, to read along with us. But one of those passages this week was 2 John. And 2 John, verse 12 says, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy 
may be complete. You get that? Like this is, this is one author writing to, writing to another believer saying, I, I want our joy to be complete because a letter is it's just not enough. Right? We try our best, and, and we know that uh, we're thankful for technology that, that got us more than just uh, a snail mail letter. We're, we're thankful for telephones that allow us to, to pick up and, and hear uh, our, our grandkids' voice and hear our kids' voice and hear our friends' voice. And, and it got even more exciting when we became the Jetsons and FaceTime happened. Right? And we, we can actually, anywhere in the world, pretty much, I can hold up a phone and I can see my family, and I can talk to them. I mean, there's something, but, but we know how much better it is to be in the room. I think we, we don't like to remember it, but we remember just a couple years ago, 2020, when, well, you don't remember being in here, but I remember being in here, and there was nobody out there, and I was staring right at that camera. That was I like it better when you're here. I don't know if you like it better, but I, right? Like, well, sure, we like it better. We like being face to face. There's something different. And so John knows this. He says, like, your joy is complete. And so think about that then. That there's something different about just being in the presence. And so certainly for all eternity, when we come face to face with the giver of joy, our joy will be made, our fullness of joy will be made complete. Joy is the satisfying delight and the gift of God throughout life and in all eternity. So, the question for us then is how are we supposed to respond to this joy? What kind of, like, should we do? I would say this. This, this means a, a sense of rejoicing, celebration, right? If you have been given joy, in fact, let me, let, me, let me back up just a little bit. The way you find this joy, it's just as the shepherds were told by the angel. I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. Unto you that is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior, one who was promised to come to you to bring salvation. If you want to experience this joy, this satisfying delight, Scripture tells us the way to receive that is to turn away from your sin, repent, and believe. Trust in Jesus. Trust in this one who was given for us. Trust in the one that we have Christmas for. Trust in the one we have Easter for, right? One who came and lived and died. Trust in him. You trust in Jesus. So, if you have received that joy, what do we do? How do we live that out? I would say, first, we rejoice in gifts. Right? Like, um, this is one of those that's helpful for us. We respond in joy. We, we, start, we, we start counting our blessings. Name them one by one, right? We, we rejoice in gifts. Think about rejoicing for your life. Like, God, 
gave you breath. Psalm 139, you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God, you made me. Praise God that you, you've designed me. I, I rejoice in life that you have given me life. All people everywhere can certainly do that. Rejoice that you have life. Those of us who have received this salvation, we should be rejoicing in our salvation. Even the psalmist David, after committing known public sin, he writes Psalm 51, and in this psalm of repentance, he asks for this from the Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Maybe today, and, and I don't know uh, where you're at, but maybe today you are a believer. You, you are a follower of Christ, but you need to say that to him. Oh, God. I've, I've been like that hamster running on the wheel. I've been chasing after stuff or finding my satisfaction in my job or my title or in my promotion. I've been finding satisfaction and delight only in my spouse or my, my children or my grandchildren. And God, I am asking you to restore the joy of your salvation. You know how, uh, how so often it's said of new believers, that a new believer, like the, I mean, they'll, they'll tell everybody, right? They'll tell everybody they know about Jesus because it's, it's impacted them. It's, it's drastically changed them. And so they, they went from death to life and they remember being dead and coming to life, right? So they remember the dark and now they're in the light and so everybody they see, Right? This is what they do. Oh, like, hey, did you know? I, I just turned my life over to Christ. I, I confess my sin. You should do it too. It's awesome. And for some reason, we, we lose that. It's like we forget how dark, dark was. We forget how dead, dead was. And how good life is. So maybe today we just need to say, God, restore this joy. Restore the joy of salvation that I might remember and I might cherish the fact that you took me from death to life. The fact that you took me from dark to light. The fact that you took me to hopeless to hope filled. That you've given me the comforter. That you've given me peace and satisfaction. That you've given me all of this. So rejoice in gifts of salvation. Rejoice in gifts of hope. Like we were hopeless. I, I think of Psalm 42 and 43. They, it's this psalm of like, deep uh, de depression, arguably. Psalmist writes, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil? And then he's like preaching to himself and he says, hope in God. I shall again praise your name. There's hope for you today. Some that are grieving, sad. Life is hard. There's hope. There's hope that you can have this filled joy. So rejoice in these gifts. Rejoice in, in provisions. Right? Think about like, your family. 
Like what, what has been provided for you? Mom, dad, brother, sister, children, cousins, aunts, uncles. It was exciting for me as uh, I stood in the, the water this morning with Grayley, looked out here, and I saw all kinds of family. You, you may not know, but like half the room she's related to. Right? It sure feels like that, right? And so whether it's like actual blood family or the kind of blood family that we are as a church, we thank God for our family, right? This is our family. I, I, yeah, there was that, that's right. But there's, there's all of us who need to agree with that. This is our family, amen? So like this is our people. This is, uh, we, we hear about like uh, takes a village. Well, this is my village, this is my tribe, my people, this is us, right? This is our family. And so we, we rejoice in the provision that even when our biological family is not with us, our family is here. And God has provided that for us. Like even, even just rejoicing in the like, supplies, like what you have, like your actual things, the things we just said we don't find all of our satisfaction in, we can still rejoice that God has provided them for us, that you have a roof over your head, that you have a table to sit at, that you have a refrigerator, that you have a car, that you have a job, that you have uh, food. And when you don't, that you have people around you that will help meet those needs. We rejoice in these things. And finally, I would say we rejoice in heaven. You see, because no matter what this earth has to offer, there is something better to come, right? Like if this is your best life now, why would we, why would we be looking forward to heaven? To be clear, this is not your best life now. Like we're going for best life later. That's the aim. And we can be confident in this. How? Why? We, we, just, we just talked about this. Because we look to the presence, the permanent presence of God. We say, we echo Revelation 21. The dwelling place of God will be with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Talk about unending joy, never ceasing, never failing, never stopping, unimpeded, unhindered joy because of the permanent presence of the creator and sustainer of the universe. This one who gives us hope, who gives us salvation, who knit us together in our mother's womb, we get to be with him forever. So whatever, whatever heartache this life has, then you compare it, right? It's just a fleeting moment compared to the surpassing greatness of our King. The glories that come with Him. But for those without Him, the joy that you don't experience now is also a permanent in your life in eternity. Because you'll be eternally separated from the never-ending joy. 
you, you won't have him. So I plead with you today, trust in Jesus right where you are. Like you, you, you can do it right where you sit. Turn away from your sin, yourself, your desire to pursue other stuff and other things and other titles. Turn away from all of that and trust in Jesus to be your all-satisfying joy. To be the one that, as Grayley put it, sacrifice everything else for. Sacrifice everything else. And that will make sense when you get unceasing joy. Putting everything else aside makes perfect sense when what you get is the greatest treasure of all time. If you have questions about this, things you're curious about, in just a moment when we stand, I want to encourage you to make your way down these aisles and come right here to this room. And there will be people right here who would just love to pray with you, answer questions for you, talk to you. Maybe it is that for you today, as a, as a member here, you are, you're just sad. You're hurting. And you would just like someone to just pray over you, give you a hug and say, I, you're, you're loved here. You just, you just, you can walk up and say, I'm just sad. I'm a Christian, but I just, I just need someone to say I love you and pray for me. We, we would do that. That's what family does. Maybe, maybe it is that you are in your same seat. You need to say, restore to me the joy of my salvation, the gift that you've given me. Whatever the case is, as we respond, we have lots to rejoice in, lots to, to celebrate, lots, lots to give thanks for. So in our response this morning, all of us have reasons to rejoice. So let's make this our time of rejoicing. Would you stand with me as we respond?